John chapter 1. If you have your copy of God's Word and would like to turn there, I'm going to speak out of this text, John chapter number 1. The church has been very gracious to provide a place for us to stay. You always give us a love gift for coming and speaking. It is really, it's one of the things that's highlighted my year to come. And I want to say thank you to Dakota, the young guy that's with me. Um, Dakota goes to our, goes to our church, and um, he and I have started playing disc golf together, and we've just become, you know, pretty tight. And I appreciate him traveling with me and uh, being here today. So it means a lot uh, to have him here. He's a good young man. We've got some work to do, but he's a good young man. So he'll fuss at me for the next five hours on the way home for picking on him. But anyway. John 1, verse 19. I just want to pick up John 1, verse number 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, for real, man, who are you? That's the LKV, uh, Lewis Kiger version. And they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they... And that is this group who were questioning John. They had been sent from the Pharisees, really the Sanhedrin. And they asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize you with water. But among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. I want to speak today on the thought of a voice in the wilderness. A voice in the wilderness. Our church began, I did about two, three months ago, a verse-by-verse exposition of the gospel according to John. And I have just been immensely blessed by it. I hope and pray the church I pastor has also been benefited and blessed by this. But John, the, the Apostle John, does something unique for us. And that is he tells us exactly why he wrote what he wrote. In And you don't have to turn there, but in John chapter number 20, Verse 31, John gives us his purpose statement. These things have I written unto you, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have eternal life. John tells us, right, clear as day, here is why I wrote what I wrote. And in John chapter 1, he begins listing eyewitness testimony 
to who Jesus is. In fact, all of John chapter 1 is, this is who Jesus is. And it would be profitable for you just to spend a little bit of time and go through John 1 and see the titles and names that are ascribed to Jesus in John 1. Now, I can't preach everything I want to preach, but there are numerous rich designations given to Jesus there just in the first chapter of John. And it's all geared towards that we would know who Jesus is. He is the Christ, the Messiah of God, the very Son of God, and that by believing in Him, we could have everlasting life. And in this text, John the Apostle is quoting John the Baptist. It's easy to get those two Johns a little mixed up. In fact, it's very likely before this sermon is over, I'll get those two Johns messed up. You can get tongue-tied and brain-fried trying to keep those two straight. So I normally, to keep, help keep my mind working, John the Apostle, John the Baptizer. That's how I try to designate it. And so here we have the Apostle John, who is quoting John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, and he is declaring first who he is not and really points us to who Jesus is. And John's clear statement out of verse 23 is, I am just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. John was perfectly content, the baptizer, perfectly content to be known as just a voice. A voice pointing people towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that's a pretty good lesson for every believer. That we should be content to be a voice in the wilderness pointing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I don't know, maybe some of you are familiar with the music group Casting Crowns. But Casting Crowns has a song that is entitled, Nobody. And it's one of my favorites. I don't know, if you guys sing it, I, I don't care, but I don't know that it's all that suitable for corporate worship, but it is theologically true and it is very uplifting. If you're not familiar with the song, I would encourage you to get familiar with that song. But I want to share the chorus. Let me share the chorus of that song with you. And the chorus goes like this. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. That's rich. That's a great thought. And what we learned about John the Baptist in this passage is much like the chorus of that song. I think John the baptizer would say, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody that can save your soul. And when he is asked, John, who are you? He says, I'm just the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Or the baptizer might say, I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. The baptizer, John, 
never wanted the spotlight on him, but he always pointed towards Christ. And in this text, when John is confronted by this religious envoy from Jerusalem, asking him who he is and who has given him the authority to do what he is doing, John affirms without any hesitation, he is not the Christ, but he is just sent to be a voice in the wilderness pointing people to Christ. And may this passage, this text, serve an example for us and how we should witness, not to focus attention on ourselves, but instead be a voice in the wilderness of this world pointing lost souls to the Messiah Christ. Friends, the truth is this. It really matters very little if the world ever knows our name. But it matters immensely whether or not they know the name of Jesus. So I ask you, as strange as it may sound, are you willing to be like John and be a nobody for Jesus? Just be a nobody for Jesus? To be a voice point, pointing men and women and boys and girls to the Lord Christ? I want us to look at this conversation that takes place between John and this, really this group emissary sent by the Sanhedrin from Jerusalem and I want us to look at that conversation and what John the baptizer has to say about who Jesus is. When I began my notes, I first called this a conversation between John and this group, these delegates from the Pharisees and Sadducees. I called it a conversation, and then I thought, well, maybe it ought to be more of a confrontation. And then as I kept studying, it turned out it was more of an interrogation than anything else. But there are a series of questions brought to John. And here he answers them, and in so doing, tells all who have ears to hear, don't worry about who I am, worry about who he is, who Jesus is. That's what you need to worry about. Now I'm going to throw in a little bit of a historical nugget, just so... Because if you do go study John 1 and you do so without this background, you may get your mind crossed and your wires crossed a little bit. But the events that, that we're reading about here, where this delegation comes and confronts John the Baptist, it takes place some six to eight weeks after John baptizes Jesus. So you need to, you need to process that in your mind. Remember... John comes, I'm sorry, John is sent by God. He's in the River Jordan. Jesus comes to John. Jesus is baptized by John. I, don't, I can't get into that whole conversation. Jesus is baptized by John. And what happens? The Spirit of God comes down out of heaven as a dove and abides upon the Lord Jesus Christ. John states that, the, that he who sent me, that is God, he who sent me, told me that the one on whom you see the Spirit abide is the Messiah. So when John baptizes Jesus, Jesus comes up out of the water, the Spirit of God comes down and descends upon him. God the Father speaks and says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
John, having seen that, eyewitness to that, he knew who Jesus was. He absolutely recognized at that time who he was. Now you fast forward some six to eight weeks later. Remember, immediately after the baptism of Jesus, he is driven out into the wilderness where he is tempted for 40 days. And there he's tested, tried by Satan, and then he comes back. Jesus returns to John in the Jordan. Jesus is standing by the riverside. Here comes this delegation from Jerusalem to interrogate John. And John is saying, y'all worried about who I am? Right there's Jesus. Don't, don't worry about who I am. Worry about who he is. So vision that in your mind. John there at the river Jordan. And here is Jesus among the crowd. The delegation comes and they begin to question John. John, who are you? In verse number 19, we read this. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites to ask him. Listen, that word testimony quite literally means judicial evidence. This is eyewitness testimony. It is as if John the Apostle is swearing John the Baptist in in the witness stand. And he's saying... For the record, what happened? What did you see? What did you hear? What did you witness? And now John the Baptist is about to give his eyewitness testimony. I'll go on the record stating this is what happened, and this is who I'm not, and this is who Jesus is. It's a wonderful thought that John here again, these things have I written unto you that you may... Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life through his name. And I try to normally come up with some points for my message, but I'm just going to work through some of these questions. There are, in fact, numerous questions that are asked, John, but let's just look at a few of them together here. Question number one, verse number 19. Who are you? And then... John replies negatively. Now understand, friends, these are reasonable questions that this delegation is coming and asking. They really are. They are, as it were, the religious leaders, right or wrong, they are the religious leaders. They're in charge. And here comes this, and I say this with, I hope some understanding. Here comes this maniac lunatic, dressed strange, has a strange diet, preaching repentance, baptizing people in the Jordan River. They have no idea who he is or who sent him or what makes him think he has the authority to do this. And this Sanhedrin has a vested interest in the spiritual, really, of their own well-being, but the spiritual barometer of what's going on around Jerusalem. And so they send this delegation to say, John, who are you? Why are you doing what you're doing? And they really are asking reasonable questions, even if they have nefarious purposes in what they're asking. So they ask first, who are you? And I don't know if there is something said that is not included, that John did not feel compelled to record, but the first question they say is, who are you? And notice in verse 20, John confessed and did not deny but confessed. 
that repetition of language is, is John the Apostle saying, let me be clear. Of an absolute certainty, truly, truly, John said, I am not the Christ. He wanted that right out front. Who are you? Well, let me tell you who I'm not. <laughs> I am not the Christ. That word Christ is the Greek equivalent of the Old Testament Hebrew word Messiah. God had promised a deliverer to his people that he would send one who would free them, deliver them. And so Israel was anxiously awaiting this long-promised Messiah to come. And so the first thing John says is, let me make this clear, I am not the Christ. I don't want there to be an ounce of ambiguity about this. I am not the Christ. Now, I don't know, and I, it's some speculation, how long John the Baptist has been in his public ministry at this point. At least several months, six months. Now, just think. John has garnered quite a following. This delegation that comes from Jerusalem travels 20 or more miles from the holy city up to where John is baptizing. Several years ago, I had the privilege to go to Israel. I think it is a, it is a trip that every pastor should go on. I, I I'm not trying to put a plug in, but if you can, send your pastors, your elders there. It is worth every dollar that is spent. We had a local beneficiary who sent me and a group of local pastors to Israel, and I was there, being right there where, it is believed, John was baptizing, and believe me, it is a wilderness. There is nothing there. Sand and rocks. Mountains and nothing. That's all that is there. And so here is John the Baptist in his strange wardrobe preaching this message of repentance to Jews, telling them they need to repent and be baptized. And he has been at this thing long enough and successful enough that it has garnered attention all the way in Jerusalem of the who's who of the Sanhedrin. And so they're too uppity, obviously. They're, they're not going to go themselves out in the middle of nowhere. So they send this delegation. And they're asking, who is this guy? Who, who are you, John? Why are you doing this? Why are you baptizing Jews is a part of it. And again, I can't get into all of that. But not only that, John has been relatively successful. He has baptized hundreds, perhaps thousands of people who have declared that they've repented of their sins and are anxiously awaiting the, the coming of Messiah. He has been so successful, John has his own disciples. You read on in John 1. He actually he has some of his own followers. But listen, when this delegation arrives and they say, who are you? John says, let me be clear. I am not the Christ. I am not the Messiah of Israel. That's not who I am. And he does not want any confusion about this. Utmost, absolute clarity, I am not the Messiah. 
And then in verse 21, so they asked him, well then, are you Elijah? Now that may seem something of a leap for us as we're sitting here reading this, say why on earth would they ask a question like that? Well, there are a lot of speculation. If you remember, Elijah didn't die a natural death. Chariot of fire came down and scooped him up and ushered him up into heaven and it was believed by many of the religious leaders that, that Elijah would bodily return, re-embodied, uh, reincarnated. I don't know what language, but they believed Elijah would literally return. And there was actually some basis for that understanding. Now, because I, I'm trying to preach everything I know as preachers are wont to do when they're visiting somewhere... I'm not going to take the time, but if you go back to Malachi chapter 4, think on this. The last Old Testament prophet says that when Yahweh comes, it will be preceded by the return of Elijah. And so there was some basis of their asking, if you're not the Christ, are you, the, are you Elijah? which means you're here, Elijah. If you're Elijah, then that means that the Lord, Yahweh, is coming. His answer is no. I absolutely am not Elijah. But hold on. Now, I hope I don't confuse you, and I hope I don't lose you. But the truth is, there is a sense in which he is Elijah. He absolutely is. He is Elijah in spirit. He is Elijah in power. And in Jesus himself said, if you have ears to hear, John the Baptist is Elijah. That doesn't mean he is physically, literally Elijah re-embodied, reincarnate. That's not who he is. But he is. John the Baptist is the fulfillment of Malachi's prophecy that when the Lord would come, he would be preceded by Elijah and Jesus himself said, you look it up, Matthew eleven fourteen, and Luke 1, 17, Jesus said he is Elijah. Not physically, literally Elijah, but he is the fulfillment of Malachi's prophecy. He was like Elijah in his dress, he was like Elijah in his boldness, he was like Elijah in his preaching, he was a lot like Elijah. But now, friends, what we may not get from that is that when Jesus affirms that John the Baptist was likened to Elijah, the fulfillment of Malachi's promise, Jesus is also saying that he is Yahweh who was promised to come. And if you don't get that, you miss the heart of what that conversation is about. Well, are you the prophet? Verse number 21. Are you the prophet? And again, this goes back to Deuteronomy. God had promised through the mouth of Moses that there would be a prophet who would come that would deliver Israel. And for generation after generation, the Jewish people were yearning for, looking for, that prophet, the prophet that would be like Moses and 
free them and deliver them? What, what was it that Moses did? Led the people out of Gentile captivity. Led them from bondage to Egypt and into the promised land. Israel was looking for another prophet like that that would come and free them. John said, they asked John, John, are you the prophet? No, I'm not the Christ. I am not literally Elijah, and I am certainly not the prophet. But who is the prophet? The answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 3 verse 22, you can pull it up and look at it. But there, Peter preaching says that Jesus is the promised prophet that would come. And what Israel failed, <coughs> what Israel failed to see nationally is that he, Jesus, was their Messiah. And he was that promised prophet. They were looking for a military leader. They were looking for somebody to come and, and free them from the bondage of Rome like Moses led Israel out of Egypt. They were looking for someone that would lead them from under the servanthood, slavehood of Rome, Roman occupation. He established Israel as a, as a superpower, world power again. And what Israel nationally neglected to see is that Jesus is the promised prophet. And he did come to deliver his people. But he did not come to deliver them from Gentile bondage, but he came to deliver us from the bondage of sin, to set us free, to lead us out of the captivity of sin and death and despair, and to lead us to a greater promised land, to a greater Canaan. That's who Jesus is. And John is, the Baptist is affirming, I'm not the prophet, but the prophet is here. He's here, but you just don't see him. So they ask again, verse 22. Verse 22, they ask this. So who are you? Seriously, man, who are you? We've got to give an answer. We can't go back to the Sanhedrin empty-handed. We need to know who you are. Tell us something. <laughs> Don't leave us in the dark. Who are you? And his response, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody that can save your soul. I am just the voice in the wilderness pointing people to Jesus. That's who I am. That's all that I am. And I, I do, if you don't mind, I do want you to turn back to Isaiah chapter number 40. And I want to I hurry through this as much as I can. I'm not going to be like Blake and just keep you all the whole time and People have to get up and walk out and everything just to get him to quit. So I'm sorry, Blake. <laughs> you got to pick on somebody. So I want you to make this connection. Please try to follow me with this. Isaiah chapter 40 is about the people of God seeing and enjoying the glory of God. Isaiah 40 is about the people of God seeing and and enjoying the glory of God. Now John the Baptist, as he is standing there at the Jordan River, being interrogated by this delegation from Jerusalem, quotes Isaiah 40. 
and says, you want to know who I am? I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Isaiah 40, verse 3. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of Yahweh, the glory of the Lord, shall be revealed. All flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So when this delegation comes, John, who are you? I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Now listen, when John the Baptist quotes Isaiah 40, he is saying, I am the fulfillment, just like he would say I'm the fulfillment, or Jesus would say he's the fulfillment of Elijah, the prophecy of Malachi. Here, John the Baptist is saying, I am the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. I am the voice of the one in the wilderness saying, listen to this, prepare the way of the Lord. I know you've been schooled, I know you've been taught this, but let me say it again just in case. When you read the word Lord in your Old Testament, and it's all caps, that is the tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H, four letters, Yahweh, Yahweh, Jehovah, if you prefer that. So get what John is saying. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare for the coming of Yahweh God. And as he is standing in the Jordan River, Making this claim, he is saying that Jesus of Nazareth is Yahweh God. I am the one that has come to prepare the way for the coming of him. He is Yahweh God. Make no mistake. John was absolutely affirming the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he is the coexistent, co-eternal son of God who is Yahweh God. That's exactly what he is saying there. He is quoting this. He said, you want to know who I am? I'm the voice of one that is telling you Yahweh is among you. God is among you. You go back up a little bit in John. Will God dwell with man? Yes, the word was made flesh and tabernacled among us and we beheld his glory. Or, John would say, because I'm here, that means Messiah is here. Because I am here, Yahweh is here. Prepare for the arrival of the king. Make straight. That, that language just simply means, you go back, we're talking about culture a little bit, uh, a little bit ago, um, Blake was, you go back, or someone was, you go back to the culture. You didn't want the king to come riding into town and one of the chariot wheels bust and break because he runs over a pothole. So there was this idea of making the road straight, making it clear, making it plain, preparing the way. And John says, that's exactly who I am. I'm here to make straight the path, prepare the way for the coming of the king. And in so doing, he's also claiming the kingship of Christ. Fourth question, verse 25. Verse 25. 
They asked him, then why are you baptizing? If you're not Christ, you're not Elijah, you're not the prophet. I really think the question is not, why are you doing this? I think the real question is, what makes you think you have the authority to do this? Who do you think you are to be out here doing this? And John's answer is, I'm nobody, but I serve the one that has all authority. I serve the one who I'm not even worthy to unlatch his shoes. Again, the most menial task of a house slave would be to, to take people's shoes or sandals off and wash their feet when they entered the home. And John says, I'm not even worthy to do that. You want to know who I am? I'm nothing. I'm nobody. But I am a servant of the one who is the one true Yahweh God, Messiah, King, who is the Christ, the Lord. He has the authority. He has all authority, and he is the one who sent me to do what I'm doing. You want to know what gives me this authority? God gave me this authority. But let me just say, there's something interesting here. I want you to, I want you to take notice of this. I, if you're somebody who highlights or underlines or circles things in your Bible, the close of verse 26. Listen, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. The Baptist is saying, Jesus is right here and you don't even know him. The one for whom I have sent to prepare the way is right here among us and you don't know him. So I ask this. As Christ walks in the midst of his church, we can say he is here. Do you know him? Have you recognized him for who he is? He is among us. He is God with us. He is Emmanuel. These things took place in verse 28. That's not just a tag on. When, when John the apostle includes names, dates, details, people, places. It's because, <clears throat> excuse me, it is because he has given a detailed account, a recorded, uh, accurate, accurate retelling, recording of what took place. And he's telling us exactly when and where. John the Baptist was a bold man, but he was also a humble man. He never did brag on himself. He didn't worry about his disciples leaving him and following after Jesus. He wasn't trying to make a name for himself. John the Baptist wasn't trying to build his own brand. He didn't care whether or not people followed him, but he cared greatly whether or not they followed Jesus. John, I, I doubt John kept up with how many people he baptized, how many conversions he had, how popular that he was. None of that mattered. All that mattered to him was, I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Jesus is here. Trust him. Believe in him. And friends, as I close, we live in a world that is blinded by sin and darkness. This world around us is a wilderness. Turn on the news. It's a wilderness. And in this wilderness, this church and every individual believer should be a voice calling to men and women 
to behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. Each of us, individually and corporately, should serve as a voice in the wilderness. May John's consistent reply, humble reply, serve in his example to us. When somebody asks, why are you giving out this gospel track? Why, why are you telling, telling someone about Jesus? Why are you doing these things? Why are you promoting this religion? Why are you pushing Christianity? Your answer, I'm just a voice in the wilderness. I'm just here to point you to who Jesus is so that you can have relationship with him. I want to be more like John in this. I want all of us to be able to say, I'm just a nobody. Trying to tell everybody all about somebody that can save your soul. I'm living for the world to see. Nobody but Jesus. We have been called upon to serve as a voice in the wilderness of this world and like John, meekly, humbly, but boldly point people to Christ. May God help us to do so. All right.